Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has struck us, but he will bandage our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, so that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us pursue knowledge of the Lord. As surely as the sun rises, the Lord will appear. He will come to us like a heavy rain, like the spring rain that waters the earth. God's Grief Over Israel's Impenitence What am I going to do with you, Ephraim? What am I going to do with you, Judah? For your faithfulness is like a morning mist, like early dew that disappears. That is why I cut them to pieces by means of the prophets. I killed them with the words of my mouth. The judgments against you go forth like the light. For I desire mercy, and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God, rather than burnt offerings." Like Adam, they have broken the covenant. They have acted treacherously against me there. Gilead is a city of evildoers, stained with bloody footprints. As a gang of robbers waits to ambush a man, so do bands of priests. They commit murder on the road to Shechem. They have committed shameful crimes. In the house of Israel I have seen a horrible thing. Ephraim practices sexual immorality there. Israel defiles itself. Judah... Also for you, a harvest has been appointed when I restore the fortunes of my people. This is the word of our God. In chapter 5, the prophet Hosea spoke about a time when the northern kingdom of Israel had lashed out against Assyria. And then in the middle of that war, as Israel and Assyria were fighting against one another, the southern kingdom of Judah attacked Israel from the south so that they would have to fight a two-front war. And the, the winner was neither Israel nor Judah. And God had called them out as called them out for relying on their power, on their military might, on their alliances, rather than on him, as well as calling out Judah for their their battle against their own brothers, their own flesh and blood. And at the conclusion of chapter 5, God is waiting, and God is waiting for his people to return. And now at the beginning of chapter 6, Israel's need to return to the Lord. This is what this is what Israel ought to be saying. This is what Israel ought to be echoing. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has struck us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us. He will raise us up. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us pursue knowledge of the Lord. And that's what God wants to see. God wants to see a wholehearted repentance and, and a wholehearted acknowledgement of what they have done and who their true God is. But will he see that? That is really the question here of Hosea chapter 6. And God says, no, no, your faithfulness is like a morning mist, like early dew that disappears. It's there for a little while, and it's not substantial, and then it's gone. And that is why God says, that is why I cut them to pieces by means of the prophets. I killed them with the words of my mouth. The judgments against you go forth like the light. And maybe you're reminded of the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, where we hear that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, even to the dividing of bone and marrow of joint and flesh or something like that. And that's exactly what God has done here. 
to his Old Testament people as well. It's the same word of God. It's the same effectiveness used against his people. And it's the same law that is used in a crushing way to to call them to repentance, to, rec- to lead them to recognize that they have sinned against the Lord, that that is their sin, that their sin is not some piddly out external outside thing, but it is an internal matter of the heart. And it's an internal thing that the word of God can and must address. And that's verse six. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. That's the heart of the matter that God wants the heart as well. And this is this is quoted by Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. Um, I'll read Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. It's, um, it's there in verse 13, but we've got the context to set it up. Matthew 9, beginning in verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. He said to him, follow me. Matthew got up and followed him. As Jesus was reclining at the table in Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners were actually there too, eating with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, The healthy do not need a physician, but the sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. In fact, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And what Jesus is saying here to those Pharisees is exactly what God is saying through the prophet Hosea, that that the apparent religious people are going through all of the externals. They're doing all the external things that God's law says that they should be doing, but the heart is not in it. And God says, I don't want your sacrifice. I want mercy. I want your heart. And that's exactly what Jesus got when he called Matthew. And then Matthew hosted that party, uh, a Matthew party, you might say, at his house where he invited all these other people who needed to meet Jesus. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, that God wants the heart before the action, that the action is empty without the heart. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and Jesus is providing a stunning indictment of the religious state of those of those spiritual leaders of Israel, of the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees, and he is really saying to them, you know what, you look good on the outside, but your heart is far from me. And you should go reread the book of Hosea, especially chapter six, that um, that God says that he wants you to return to him. He wants you to learn your lesson, but you haven't. And in context, Jesus also might be alluding to the rest of the chapter, or at least the surrounding verses, your faithfulness, the faithfulness of the Pharisees, like a morning mist. It's there, but it's not there when it really counts, that they need to be cut down with the word of the Lord, that like Adam, they had broken the covenant, they acted treacherously against God, that they were like this gang of robbers, as verse 9 says, that the priests wait to commit murder on the road to Shechem, that they have committed shameful crimes. Verse 9, when he says that, I'm not sure if he's talking about literal literal murder. What is more likely the case is that these priests are leading God's people astray. That spiritually speaking, they're supposed to lead the people to God, and they are preventing those who want to go worship the true God, and they are now teaching them to worship a false God. That That is really spiritual murder, so to speak, that 
false teaching destroys faith, that false teaching never glorifies God, and that these priests, by their falsehood, are robbing faith and life from God's people. And even worse, God details this in verse 10, in the house of Israel, I have seen a horrible thing. Ephraim practices sexual immorality there. Israel defiles itself. And this is going to come up again in Hosea and a number of the other prophets as well. Some of them even more graphic than this, because a lot of the Canaanite worship um, was very hypersexualized that the Canaanite worship really revolved around the use of the body and and even to the point where they would say, and this is you know consistent in Greek culture too, and really every culture that doesn't have God at its center is going to have some form of sexualized worship. In the Greek culture and here in the Canaanite culture, because the Canaanites have not been entirely pushed out of the land and Israel falls prey to their sin, they would think that that spending time, so to speak, with the prostitute at the shrine or at the temple would be one way to express their worship of the god or the idol enshrined there. And together with that improper use of the human body and that improper use of God's gift of sex, every culture that does not have God at its center and instead has human pleasure at its center has to have some way of dealing with the result of the sexual act. In the Old Testament there in the land of Canaan, it was it was child sacrifice and in a way that is very gruesome and even beyond our comprehension. Um, but the same is still true today, that when God is not at the center, when people just let their own whims and desires run rampant and they forget the proper use and context and setting for the use of the human body, then we have to do something with the so-called products of conception. And the same is true even in our country today, that in every culture where human pleasure is worshipped and held up, we have to do something with the result of that union. And in our country, just call it abortion. In other nations and other cultures at other times, they would call it worship of a false god. But the bottom line is that when God is not at the center, then someone or something else must take his place. And so what shall we learn from this? From the book of Hosea, chapter 6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, the knowledge of God, rather than burnt offerings. What shall we learn from this? Well, this is why your pastor hopefully instructs you a little bit on what we do in the worship service, that we aren't there to simply stand up and sit down and, um, and go through the motions that the readings are likely printed in your bulletin so you can follow along, that pastor will explain some of them so that we can apply these things to our lives, that we can think about them and take that bulletin home or, or read the readings on our own or review the sermon either in podcast form or maybe at a blog post or something like that so that so that we don't find ourselves and let ourselves be lulled into that guilt of the Old Testament Israelites the guilt of the Old Testament Israelites that was simply satisfied with going through the motions because our God is not a God who just loves going through the motions. Our God is a God who desires mercy and not sacrifice. Our God wants the heart and the action to follow the heart, not an action without heart. And so as you go about your day, what does this look like for you? What does it look like to put your faith into action and put your Christian love into action? Who is it that needs your encouragement, the encouragement that only you can give? Who is it that God has given you this specific vocation of serving? 
be it children or spouse or friend or family or worker or employee or whatever the case may be. Who is it that you have been given the specific task of serving with your act of love, your act of mercy, and your exercising of your Christian faith? And so go and gladly do that because Jesus, Jesus has set you free to serve God with a wholehearted love because our God is the God who loves beyond love. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. God bless your day.